0: Welcome back to the Being Inspired Radio Show. I am your host, Amanda Johnson, and uh, this is such an exciting time as it is an episode where I have the pleasure of interviewing a very dear woman. And um, before I get into introducing her, I do want to say one thing. I don't often give credit to the incredible artist who sings the intro song that I have decided to use for this show. And I like to make sure to at least give her a shout out from time to time. If you are not already aware, that is India Ari, and the song is I Am Light. And it is such a divinely beautiful song. If you haven't already, I invite you to go out, download it, find it. buy the album, buy the single, find it on Spotify, however you do it. Uh, she is an incredible artist, and I feel like her message really um, resonates with with my own. So now another incredible woman um, that we have on the show today is Jacqueline Wallach. And I met Jacqueline maybe a, a couple years ago now. I have lose track after a while, but we were at a a women's retreat um mentor masterclass retreat she was a part of the mastermind and i was there um, as well and we got to know each other i got to meet her i remember we were in a small group together um, during some of the exercises and i just found her to be this incredibly present and sincere and authentic person this being and since then things have evolved things have changed and she is still this incredible woman, and I remember how um, excited I was that she agreed to be on this show. And And uh, even though her life has gone through maybe some transitions, which we may or may not talk about, um, I'm so excited to bring her gifts to each of you and to share her with you. That's the point of this show is to bring people who I am inspired by, who I believe leave, leave, um, live and lead inspired lives, to you so that you also can be inspired so today Jacqueline Wallach is um, is with us she is a mindfulness guide and teacher she combines her knowledge as an educator a trained empowerment coach business owner yoga teacher Reiki healer and her mindfulness training and practice to help bring peace and empowerment to the world through individual and collective mindfulness practices She guides and teaches her students and clients with mindfulness to to trust their own experiences in order to have the most rewarding and fulfilling life. She believes when we take time to practice meditation, we can go out into the world with more confidence, courage, and can truly add value both to our own lives and the world at large. And when she's not practicing or teaching mindfulness, Jacqueline loves to travel, sing, hike, and watch sitcoms. So welcome to the show, Jacqueline.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And um, just so you know, as you were reflecting all those beautiful things back to me, I was really very moved by what you said. And it's just such an honor to hear such a reflection. And um, I don't think a lot of us all the time really take the time to really see and hear those reflections from other people. So I really want to say thank you for that. And thank you so much for for allowing us to connect today. I'm really excited to see where our conversation leads today Mm -hmm. and how we can, you know, share our insight and our wisdom together with everyone who's listening. That's beautiful and so true. I don't, I think you're right on. We don't
0: often take the time to sometimes to share our reflections with others. And also then on your, um, to your point, to really actually hear and receive them. So it's it's an equal gift. And so anyone who's listening, maybe there's the first thing that you can be inspired to do today, either to be the sharer of that reflection or really to receive it fully from someone as Jacqueline just did. So thank you so today we're we're talking about something so near and dear to my heart and I think again when we reconnected Jacqueline you and I this um, idea of mindfulness really got me excited. Um, I know you have just I, I look forward to learning more about your journey, but knowing that mindfulness is such a teacher of yours and that you are a teacher of mindfulness and and equally mindfulness was really um, an an important gateway for me into the journey uh, and into where I am today I believe it is foundational and um, and I certainly have many root teachers who I learned mindfulness from and I think it's also this beautiful term that kind of means something to everyone and it may be a little different um, to you and to me and maybe to someone listening so I think there there's a lot of good a uh, lot of good juicy stuff that can come in this in this conversation and with each of my shows when I interview someone I like to open, with a quote or a passage that speaks to me about our our topic and looking at some other teachers that i follow i found a quote by Thich Nhat Hanh the zen buddhist monk and it's from a book of his actually called the miracle of mindfulness an introduction to the practice of meditation and i'll be honest i haven't read the book but i did find this quote and it really um, i've read other books of his and i think he says much of the same in most of his teachings and I really liked how this quote um, reflects on mindfulness. So I'm going to read it. And I ask those listening and Jacqueline, yourself included, if, you know, if you can close your eyes or just really, again, be fully present, mindful to the words and listen to what you hear through this. You know, what is stirred up in you? What is sparked in you as you listen to the the, the truth as Thich Han shares it? Feelings whether of compassion or irritation, should be welcomed, recognized, and treated on an absolutely equal basis, because both are ourselves. Nothing should be treated more carefully than anything else. In mindfulness, compassion, irritation, the mustard green plant and teapot are all sacred. So Jacqueline, as you hear those words of Thich Han exploring our feelings, he went on in the quote, it's a little longer than what I read, he talks about the mustard green plant, he talks about pouring a cup of tea, he talks about his actions and how they all are him, we are in everything, and how to give everything equal weight, to treat everything as everything else, because all of it is sacred. And that for him is mindfulness or part of mindfulness. So as you hear that, what comes up
1: for you? What does that stir inside of you? Mm, Well, first of all, I love him. (laughs) He's like one of, he's just, he's such a inspiring man. He was um, very involved um, during the Vietnam resistance as well in the United States. Um, And he always had a presence about him. So hearing that quote is just such a reminder of the man that he is. But again, as well as the way that he he speaks those words is a reflection of how we can step into the world. So I hope that makes sense. Sometimes I mm-hmm. might say something that doesn't make sense. But... <laughs> I'm, um, with you. I'm with you I got it
0: <laughs> and, if, and if anyone's listening like well I don't know I invite you to look up Thich Han and read his readings and listen to his teachings I think as soon as you do and if you aren't already familiar what Jacqueline just said makes perfect sense so yes keep going <laughs> <laughs> thank you um
1: but when I when I hear that quote what it reminds me of is that when we're practicing mindfulness is that a lot of the time when well actually when starting even before that when we're going about our everyday life our mind is constantly discerning what's good what's bad what's right what's wrong um and also creating meaning for everything that is around us Um, and we do this very unconsciously most of the time we're not very present to it and so when we take a moment to do um a, a practice of mindfulness meditation, let's say, we begin to cultivate more of the trait of discerning things about what's uh, of discerning what is really in front of us. And so when we become really present with everything that's going on, it's not always necessarily going to be easy, especially when we first start a meditation practice, but it gives us the chance to really, first of all, experience everything we're experiencing and noticing with equal equilibrium and equanimity, both what we would normally say is good, and what we would say is bad, or what we would say is even neutral, like a mustard seed. Mm. Um, And when we take the time to practice this in, in a space that's dedicated, whether that's a sitting meditation, or a moving meditation like a walking meditation or yoga or um, anything that's really dedicated to being present and noticing the feelings that we're feeling or noticing the thoughts that we have over time we begin to notice that um, everything really only has meaning because we've given it meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yes.
0: And I think this is this is so great and I want to just dive in because what I hear you saying is it's in our daily daily lives we sit there and we're constantly judging or discerning right bad, good, right, wrong. I like this, I don't like that. And I love that you said, we apply, we give meaning to everything. Things do not inherently have the meaning we place on it. And I think we know that, or we can almost prove that because you and I can look at the exact same object or you and I can experience the exact same thing and walk away with totally different conclusions or experiences, right? Like you may love coffee and if I hate it, The coffee has no meaning in and of itself but you we have applied you know we have given it meaning um whether it be the thing that i need every morning or the thing i need to stay away from and i think that's such a profound realization into as also what i love that you said is that we are often so unconscious about that and so for me i think you're right when i started practicing meditation and becoming more mindful more aware that I started to see that I could see oh wow I just totally judged that experience or I just walked out the door and made a complete past a total you know put meaning or past a conclusion on this experience I'm having when in reality it is what it is what it is you know and and here's the thing and I think this is what Thich not han is getting at in his quote there it could still be something like irritation anger frustration, um, pain, you know, those things that we often judge as bad, maybe, right, or we don't like them, that we can still hold those equally as well. And so this is something that I'm curious about um, asking you is, at what point, and maybe where are you now in your journey of mindfulness and meditation and and just your daily life? Have you, um, when did you start to see that it's not all about Experiencing the quote unquote good
1: things. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yes, definitely. Okay. And this is something, you know, a lot of people who come to me for meditation or have asked me about meditation and it, um, have actually brought up to me is that they'll say, I can't meditate today because I'm feeling agitated, or I tried meditating, but it didn't make me feel better. Um, and I think that, um, you know, for a while, that's also why I was doing meditation was because you know, it made me feel better. And it does in many ways, it can make you feel better. Um, but it's the result and not the and not so much the goal of, of mindfulness. And mindfulness is actually also just a very broad term. Um, it's more of like the English translation of, of what Buddhists called um, mindfulness. And I believe that's sattva but I have to double check on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the idea of, of mindfulness, of coming to sit and, and come to meditation just to feel good, it's something that we might call spiritual bypassing, which is not acknowledging the whole experience of being human. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just want to put that out there. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with you if you come to meditation to feel good. Just letting, I just wanna put that out there. Um, And that's a space of of judgment. And when we meditate, it's a practice of non-judgment and non-attachment. So the other thing is, you know, for me, like I said before, when I first started meditating, I did it to feel good because like most of us who end up coming to a spiritual path, there's usually something in our lives. It doesn't have to be the most extreme thing, but there's often something in our lives that can be as they call the dark night of the soul or something where we ask ourselves, is this, it is, there's nothing else. Um, and we come to the spiritual path. Oftentimes meditation is involved in some way, shape or form, whether that's a mindfulness inside meditation or, um, even like transcendental meditation where we focus on one sound instead of the whole experience, which whatever it is, we come to it because we want to feel better and Over time, what I've found is that the more I've come to sit in meditation or come to my yoga mat or go and do a walking meditation, the more I practice this, the more I start noticing the resistance first that I feel to feeling angry or upset, which I think is really like the first step is just noticing the resistance you have to feeling those feelings or not wanting it or pushing it away. And then over time, it becomes a bit more, I don't want to say easy, but it becomes part of the practice to really just witness what it feels like to be angry or to be upset. And it's not easy. There are times where you're sitting on your mat or you're sitting on the couch or the floor or whatever it is you're doing. And you're like, why am I doing this? This doesn't feel good at all. And the judgment starts to come in and it just like doesn't feel great at all. And then there can be that moment just like this one moment of reflection where you're like, okay, so this is what it actually feels like to be angry. And even if it's just for a split moment and you, you have this experience of just noticing what it feels like to feel angry, what the thoughts are that come in when you feel angry and you can just witness yourself almost not outside of your body, but just being in the experience of anger. And from there, being able to release it and letting it go. And again, even if that's only for a moment and with that, um, there, there's more to that, but I'm not going to go into that cause I can go on and on, but that's a really, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it's a process. And for me where I'm at is, you know, I, I want to say I'm like in the middle of that. There are days where like it I can be in anger and I can come to my mat and focus or, or, you know, my cushion or the chair and, breathe and feel the anger and other days it's just really really difficult so actually for me sometimes i'll focus on chanting first because that allows me to really just come back to being present and not not all mindfulness meditators will say like that's part of the mindfulness practice but for me that's what works is chanting and then coming and sitting in stillness and really experiencing so that's that's kind of what works for me Mm-hmm. Thank you. And again, I think it's beautiful
0: that you you acknowledge that it is a process and also acknowledging and giving us all permission to d- look to these things, these tools, to these um, ways of being at first from a place of longing to feel good, to feel better. Uh, I think you're spot on that m- most that is what triggers most of us into that. Right. And what brings us to that place and so I'm really grateful that you said that there's nothing wrong with that. If you find yourself showing up to yoga or showing up to a meditation class in order to feel better, fantastic. And as you pointed out, and I think as Thich Nhat Hanh and other mindfulness teachers share, that's not ultimately the goal. And yes, you will, I think, naturally feel better at times. And over your life experience, you will start to feel less, um, for me, I noticed it was that I was just so consumed by my feelings or my thoughts. And so this practice did allow me to step back a bit and start to observe it. And that in and of itself didn't make those, those negative emotions go away immediately, or those thoughts go away. It just allowed me not to feel consumed by them, which I think is what most of his experience when we are unconscious or unaware to all of this happening. So I think the practice really does give us that gift. And as you said, then we can start to witness that, ex- that feeling, that experience. And it does take practice. And I believe, um, certainly, I don't think Rob Bell came up with this, but I heard him say it on a recent podcast where, you know, when he's feeling angry, the thought that he often has is, who is it that?" can observe this anger who is it that is witnessing this anger and that often can bring us to that again that space of non-attachment there's something observing it which means by default this was one of my one of my first lessons i remember reading the untethered soul by michael singer that he that's what he talked about that's what i remember him talking about was like there's if i can observe it it isn't me you know, so there is this sense of the object and the subject, and they cannot be one and the same. And so I think there's such, there can be peace that comes with that. So I love that you brought up this idea of witnessing what we're experiencing. And I do think that's a huge component to mindfulness. And I, I'm curious because you did say, you know, mindfulness means so many things. It's a fairly broad term. And I agree with that. So what does it mean to you? Um what does mindfulness mean for you? And how is that showing up? You say you meditate. Is it something else or is it purely meditation?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and first of all, I, ju- I just remembered, so the the name in Pali, which is one of the languages in which um, there are Buddhist practitioners, or, or it's the language of many Buddhist practitioners is uh, sati. That is the word for mindfulness in Pali. So just remembering that now. Um, And so it's very interesting because, well, first I wanna just maybe talk a little bit about that there's kind of, there's a few different schools of mindfulness, um, but I wanna touch maybe upon two of them. And one is around what we might think as the, the Buddhist monk sitting on top of a mountain, kind of separate from another person or from everybody else, um or the idea of um, mindfulness being only a religious practice of those who practice Buddhism, or even those who are very curious about Buddhist teachings but approach it from a more secular place, so this school of Buddhist mindfulness, and then um Starting around like the late 70s, early 90s, this gentleman named John kabat Zinn came into the picture and he began um, studying mindfulness and the effects of mindfulness. Um, and so it's, as you can see too, like it's be- mindfulness is becoming much more um, involved in more of the mainstream because science has now been able to study it. Um, and what ends up happening is we have, and it doesn't mean that one is good and one is bad, but uh, The idea is that one is more based in philosophy while the other one has some kind of, not constraints, but because it needs to be studied, Um, there's some parameters around it. um, And there's some beauty in that because it's given people the opportunity to actually get involved in more of the scientific approach of mindfulness to help them through stress and through depression and through anxiety and through, you know, Medical issues or life trauma. so there there's a slight difference in the approach of both of them, but um, both of them both have the intention of allowing the practitioner or the or the actual person to really just be aware and present of the full experience. So for me, when we talk about this word mindfulness, um, I'm very much a believer that there's many paths to one truth and there's no right or wrong way. Um, and actually, to me, both of them are very Im- important in terms of my own teaching. And so for some people, seeing something spiritual and something scientific may seem totally separate. But in fact, at least for me, it is something that's it's really just explaining the same thing in a different way and in different approaches. So knowing that there is actual quote-unquote proof that mindfulness has these effects and there are certain techniques and that can help us cultivate a really present lifestyle um, is really I think helpful for for me because I am a very literal thinker in many ways but also I have very deep-seated spiritual practice and I've as far as I can remember, even being a child, I was always feeling very connected to something higher than myself. So for me, also in mindful meditation, I find myself being able to connect to something greater than myself, being able to recognize that for me, what's really witnessing the experience is both myself in present human form and also my higher self as well. And to be able to connect to this higher part of myself, which is connected to everything else. And going a little bit back to the quote that you mentioned earlier, that everything is kind of in equilibrium, everything's kind of the same. It almost gives me that feeling too, that I'm able to connect to everything around me in in a very different way and almost a different relationship and see things not being so separate from me, including people, but also myself. And also cultivated in this practice, for me, mindfulness is not only experiencing the experience, but also practicing self-love and self-compassion and noticing what that feels like in my body. What that feels like to have compassion towards myself, especially when I'm feeling anger or upset or very critical of myself, because once I can cultivate that, that actually transcends outward. So... yeah and i hear
0: you i love that you say i mean mindfulness really is experiencing all of it in a sense and whether or not that comes from a spiritual philosophical you know lineage or perspective feeling that connection sitting in silence um maybe removing yourself right because i agree we often see it as well i don't you know i think there is a belief of well to be mindful, to meditate means one must remove themselves, go sit on a mountaintop and live a, you know, Buddhist life or a monkish life or whatever, or, you know, and and I think it's powerful that you also pointed out this newer, quote unquote, maybe Western um, uh, influence of mindfulness and how it's also become a more scientific based approach. And, you know, I love this. I've actually just really recently started talking more about, Um, the science and the religion, the science and the spiritual, and I'm starting to get more interested in some of the scientific backings, um, of, of all of this stuff I've experienced in a spiritual way. And I agree with you. They are not separate. They are not polarized. I actually do not believe that one discounts the other. I don't think because we can prove it, it makes it any less spiritual, nor does the fact that um you know, it's spiritual discount the fact that it can be proven. you know, I, I really think that we can hold both of them. And I'm seeing that more and more, at least in my life, where those are being bridged and like anything, it can it's a paradox. It doesn't mean that they are dual um, and they are opposing. So I appreciate that you brought that up because I think it's important that mindfulness doesn't have to mean only one Um, and it doesn't mean that you have to remove yourself and sit on a mountaintop it can be that you're in living your daily life and being more present to everything you're experiencing you know as you said just noticing like wow this is this is what i'm feeling this is what i'm thinking you know this is the um the the sensation that comes with it and that is being that is for me being mindful so that i'm not going on autopilot, that I'm not disconnected. I can see how I'm connected with all things. And I think those are some of the real gifts that we receive when we practice this. We start to see these truths. And I love that you said there are many paths or many roads to one truth, to the same truth. And I completely agree. I didn't always, actually, that was one of my big shifts. I used to think there was one way. Um, and it was either yours or mine (laughs) and that was it. (laughs) Uh And so that was actually been, that has been my journey is to go, Oh, Oh, so there are lots of these. Oh, there's a lot of roads. Okay. So that's cool. Um, and so I really appreciate you saying that and then to go, wow, isn't that cool that we can. And yet when we take whatever road we choose to get the gift of experiencing that truth, like we are all connected, we are all equal. You know, we are equal with all things. Mm. That is a profound truth that something as simple, quote unquote, as mindfulness, as being present, as experiencing all of it can give you. And I think that's the beauty of this practice is you can tap into some incredibly th- profound and yet simple truths, because I do believe that truth is simple. It sometimes just doesn't feel that way getting there,
1: you know, accessing it. Mm hmm exactly and you know what i don't want to take credit for that quote um that was from uh it was by um shri swami saturday he is a yogi teacher a yogic teacher but i had heard someone mention that a while ago um at a conference i was at or at a workshop i was at rather and it was one of those things where i was like this makes so much sense and this is what I've been feeling for a really long time, but was unable to say. Um, and I was really glad someone was able to say that because to me, I just, I wholeheartedly believe that that's just the case. Yeah.
0: Many ways to a single truth. And and I think if we all, if all of us can lean into that a bit more, which, and that requires a lot of courage, I think it, re- and it also requires a really solid understanding of your own your own knowing because for me to be willing to say sure yeah that's a that's another way requires that i get to be comfortable in knowing that the way i've chosen or the way that has chosen me i don't know which it is um is is okay see because before when i would put it into like well there's that way or this way uh it's my way or your way it's because either i had to prove myself and therefore i needed you to you had to come over and be with me or i had to go wow i I don't trust myself at all obviously you know so then i had to discount anything that i thought i knew and i had to kind of you know throw it away so i think it takes a lot of courage and a lot of bravery to say there is more than one way and i think as a world we really um we need more of those people who can sit and say okay there are many ways and that doesn't mean i always um it may not i may not understand the other way and I may not always agree with the other way, but can I let that way be there? And can I hold stand in my truth and in my knowing? So it's a real gift to, I'm glad you were gifted that, um, that those words, you know, because sometimes we need to hear someone else say what we already know, because that's, that's what this is all about. Passing on truth, you know, it, it, phrase after phrase after phrase. And, and sometimes it just takes hearing one person say it a certain way, and then it, it clicks, oh yeah, that's exactly what I've experienced. And that's what I've been needing yeah. to hear, you know?
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and I think, you know, I'm not perfect at that. There are plenty of times where I'm like, no, but but it's really this way. And it doesn't have to just be like re- religion or spirituality or science or whatever it is. But, you know, I'm a spirit having a human experience and I'm going to have moments where I'm like, oh, but that's so wrong. <laughs> And that's also where mindfulness kind of comes in, where you just notice that you're having this, this experience of, of the ego. And it's not so much that it's good or bad that the ego is doing it. It's just really noticing the experience and letting go and, and practicing, letting go of that judgment that you have around that. That's also, I think why, um, mindfulness practices are really important and, Also, really, not just for ourselves, but also in terms of communication, Um, they're actually through um, an organization called Mindful Schools. They have, um, and I've taken a few courses with them, but they actually teach something about mindful communication um, and really teaching us how to be mindful listeners and mindful speakers. And meaning, it doesn't mean that we're shutting ourselves down or shutting ourselves up. Um, I think sometimes when people think of mindfulness, they think that we're becoming very passive or we're not really allowing ourselves to express ourselves fully when we're practicing mindfulness in any way, shape or form. But um, through mindful communication, it actually allows us to be so much more in our power and so much more in our presence because we have to practice really being present with the other person, really trying to hear what their intention is or... Ask ourselves what is our intention. Like, if I'm going to say this, really, what is my intention behind it? And how can we find a place of of common ground within our communication? And that's kind of like the the idea behind just mindfulness and understanding that there's many paths to one truth. Is that when we're also really present in our communication, we don't have to, like you said, Amanda, we don't have to agree what the other person is saying, but we can really kind of gets to the bottom of what the intention is behind what they're saying and really create a relationship with that other person and and with ourselves simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. I agree and
0: I love that. First of all, mindful schools. I, again, I think I, we made that connection maybe recently when we reconnected and um, I never, I haven't taken their classes yet but I remember when I was in the Bay Area, looking them up and just, and even maybe connecting with, uh, uh, with one of the lead people there i just think what they do as an organization is amazing um so good shout out for them i think uh and just anyone who can take their classes or be influenced by them is is really lucky and blessed and i also love that yeah you are saying that there's this idea of being mindful in our communication and i've actually just recently been practicing this in a way maybe without even calling it that where i again knowing myself absolutely i am still very quick to hear someone and discount what they're saying because i don't agree with it or i don't think that's right or you know i'm i still i'm still in that and that's what i think is great about what we started this conversation off with being that irritation and compassion like hold them both equally see them both notice them both acknowledge them both because guess what we will experience them I'm guessing as long as we are in this human form. Um, and so it's not about, you know, oh, I practice mindfulness so that I never feel agitated or annoyed or, you know, no, it's just, I become more aware of it. So now when I'm in conversation with someone, I'm the, I'm practicing and it's a practice. Can I fully listen to them? And instead of immediately thinking, mm, I disagree. I don't agree with that. You know, can I hear what they're saying? And then the game for me is, and then can I find, like what you are saying, what, what's their intention? So sometimes I think of it as what's their intention, or sometimes I just pay attention and go, what part of what they've said can I relate to? You know, oh, well, they're also saying that they, you know, want people to be happy and healthy, for example. Okay, they, they talked about a bunch of other stuff that I couldn't quite get my head around, and maybe I don't agree with. But that's a common point that i also want i want people to be happy and healthy okay so now we have common ground and that's what i heard you saying in mindful communication in mindful listening what's the common ground again where are we connected and then we can build from there and that doesn't mean i can't still speak my truth i can and i can often speak it from that place of common ground so i think that's really powerful for all of us to practice as we become more aware of oh Boy, I'm in I'm in real, you know, I'm kind of annoyed right now, or I can't quite see that person's perspective. And maybe it's because practicing more of this mindful listening.
1: And I love hearing that reflection again too of your own experience with that. And again, I just I also want to say I feel like um the thing again with mindfulness is again, it's all a practice. And I wanna reiterate that so many times because and I know this is something that you can definitely speak to. Um is that we feel like we have to be on point and perfect all the time and that's not the case at all um with mindfulness it really is about practice and acceptance and non-judgment and that really kind of goes beyond what we've been taught from a young age to act and be like and that in order to be our best selves we have to kind of be at this point of like the perfect version of ourselves at all times. Otherwise we're not worthy. And I really, again, um, and I know that's something that you speak to. It's definitely something that's part of your message um, that we, you know, if we're not doing it right, then we're not enough or we're not worthy enough for it. Um, And that's not it at all. Uh, Mindfulness really is about practicing all of these things and practice doesn't mean it makes perfect practice means continual progress and continual understanding of ourself and continual growth. Um, yeah. Really well said. I love practice. Doesn't make perfect.
0: I love that. Like, let's reframe that, right? Practice. <laughs> Practice makes greater awareness. Practice makes, you know, more growth. And I absolutely agree. And yes, I can completely relate. You you do know that about me. And I definitely in my journey, um, I remember, I think I even did like a video or a blog or something about this very idea of how um, meditation isn't about being perfect. And can I allow that? Can I really recognize that is what mindfulness is? being mindful of them times where I feel imperfect, or I feel like I failed, or I feel like I didn't quote unquote do it right. And all of a sudden I can bring in an, uh, an awareness to that and be in non-judgment, as you keep saying, that's critical, I think, to that. And that that's the beginning. I believe that's really the beginning of this this um, ability to live an integrated life of being human and being a sp- our spiritual, divine, holy selves. We are both. And I think the only way to be both is to be in full awareness and in full acceptance of it. And uh, I just think that's such a beautiful reminder to all of us. Is there anything else you'd like to say? And, and then I feel like we've come to this beautiful natural position to to pivot. And I'll ask a few questions of you before I do that. I always like to offer, maybe there's something else that feels like it hasn't fully been said.
1: I think what I, what I would love to share really is that after or we've kind of been talking and talking a lot about it, I can talk a nauseum about it, um, but it really is your own experience and to really understand what um, Amanda and I are, are talking about, the experience of practicing mindfulness and having people around you to support you in your practice is probably going to be so much more beneficial than just hearing us speak. So I, if this is something that either you've dabbled in, or you've heard about, or and you've just never thought about trying it, or you've done it for a long time, and you know, you just stopped doing it, I really just would love to invite you to um, find a yoga studio or a yoga teacher like myself, or meditation teacher i should say or even just something online there's uh, many different apps now some are free some are very low cost that you can get on your phone i just really really encourage you and invite you to to practice and experience for yourself what um a mindfulness meditation practice can be awesome yeah absolutely nothing
0: like a firsthand experience you know you can listen to us till we're blue in the face and we could definitely get blue in the face (laughs) I get it these conversations are often too short and and often just just right so that's always it leaves room for a second it leaves room for a part two so uh, (laughs) thank you for sharing that and for the beautiful invitation to anyone listening and absolutely if this just sparked something and you pay attention again be aware of that be mindful to that and uh, or maybe you are a longtime practitioner and this just reminded or reinforced some of those truths for you and and you're maybe inspired to go share it with someone else so um, I like to end each of these dialogues each of these conversations with some preset questions um, of of each guest that I ask so here we are there are five of them and the first is who Jacqueline for you is a source of inspiration and why
1: oh that's really tough I have to say that I've had so many people in my life who have inspired me in different ways and that's why it's tough. Can I give like a general, can I give a general inspired? Totally. Person? Many paths to one truth. So exactly. you can Take any path you
0: want. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I do want to say that in general, there are plenty of people in my life who have been extremely supportive of me. but. Um, For some reason, I'm just feeling really called to just say people in my life who have challenged me, I think have inspired me because they forced me to look within and to practice compassion on myself and compassion for other people. So um, I feel like that that's really inspiring for me. And I can say that right now, I guess, because I've with those specific people in my life, they've helped me to be where I am now, and I'm sure there will be more people to come, um, and I may not say that at the time, but right now, um, I, I want to say they've inspired me to just kind of step into to my truth, because without that adversity and that mirror and that reflection, I don't think I'd be where I am right now.
0: That is a beautiful answer and one I haven't heard before. So uh, that's incredible. Again, inspiration can come in all shapes and forms. So wonderful. Um, what place or activity most inspires you right now? So just where
1: you are currently in life, what, what, hmm. is it,
0: what place or activity?
1: Oh man, just being outside. And especially because right now it's where I am, it's summer and I love the warmth and I just love being outside. I lately have been going to uh, where I live. Um, I've been going to a lot of um, state parks and preserves. And also I've been going to a lot of historic homes. I don't know why. I just really love going to those places. They just feel really good. There's just kind of like this essence of being able to, I don't know. I just like feel like it gets me wanting to imagine like different time and space. It just feels really cool. That's awesome. Awesome.
0: Yeah. uh, Beautiful. Again, Historic homes. Haven't heard that one either. So see, I love, this is what I love about these questions is uh, sometimes you just get wonderfully vast different answers. And I think that's, that's what to me is the cool thing. Um, So now this is another one that might be tricky, but it's, it is just, you know, we all, I imagine you're an avid reader. um, And so I want to know of, you know, what is a book that stands out to you um, that has inspired you in on this on this journey so what is what is one or a couple of those books that really served as inspiration for you
1: it's funny because this is not quite mindfulness but um well first of all (laughs) i've finally been reading harry potter books and i really love the harry potter books i don't know again it's just like magical and again it takes you to, it, it reminds me of, of seeing the magic that we all have within ourselves, and it's fun to see it in these fictional characters. So I really love that. Um, and then also, I've been reading a lot of Gabby Bernstein lately um, around Course in Miracles. The Universe Has Your Back, and um, May Cause Miracles are two of them that I really like a lot.
0: Great. Wow, I love that. I still haven't read Harry Potter, actually. And the way you just described it, thinking it's so Beautiful representation of the magic within each of us is something that is pretty profound, and and I, I agree. Sometimes just taking a fictional approach to to life can be really inspirational. So I'm glad that you said those. And um, I also am reading A Course in Miracles. I haven't read it through the lens of Gabby Bernstein much at all, but I, I do appreciate her teachings on it. So. Awesome. A couple, a few more recommendations for our listeners if they haven't already heard of those. So now my question, uh, last two, what are you currently working on or what are you currently creating in your life that is
1: really inspiring to you? Yeah. Well, um, I had mentioned this a little while ago, but there's two really big things. So last year I had to go to the hospital for emergency surgery and, um, I was there for 10 days and, I had a very, I had a several month recovery period. Um, and that actually really was an experience that kind of made me have to see really what lights me up. And, um, at that point I had my own coaching business, um, but it wasn't quite lighting me up. So this past year has really been a year of self discovery and really getting back in touch with my meditation practice and understanding mindfulness and really I always had a mindfulness practice um, for quite a long time, but it was really this past year and that experience that almost forced me to kind of go back to my roots and really understand who I am, um, help other people do the same. And then also this year was a year that reminded me um, so um, of, of a big aspect of my purpose, which is really around travel and meeting people of different cultures and asking questions and connecting to the land. And it's also been something I've been missing in my life for a while. My my master's degree is actually in English as a second language, and I worked with a lot of international students. So before I went into coaching, that's what I did. And I traveled a lot, and I studied abroad a lot. And so I'm, I've am i been recognizing this past year that two things that are really important to me that really light me up is around exploration and travel and, and mindfulness. So right now, um, it's really kind of like alchemizing these two things and I'm in the process of this alchemy. So I don't really know what the end product will be, but it will be something around travel experience or um, bringing people of different cultures and ideologies together and mindfulness. So are just having that conversation. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I don't know.
0: And that can be inspiring sometimes. I mean, for me I can feel very inspired when we're in the thick of it and someone actually mentioned that the other day to me where a lot of times when we're kind of in the in that transition, in that you know, the alchemy of it in this like wow, there's something churning here, but I'm not I can't quite see it. You know, I can't quite make out that all the ingredients or I know the ingredients are in there, but I don't know what it's going to turn into yet. Um there's actually that's such a A ripe place for creativity. Um, And so I think in some ways that can be very and very inspirational place to be. So uh, I'm excited to see where it takes you. And I really honor that you've seen these, these two important things in your life, and that you desire now to merge them together and to bring them together in some way. So that's inspiring me even to hear about it. Um, and our last question is for those now who feel inspired to reach out and connect with you, or if they want to follow up and see what you end up creating out of this gorgeous, and um, uh, this gorgeous concoction, where can they do that? Or how can they find you? How can they connect more with you?
1: Sure. So uh, you can find me on my website, uh, JacquelineWallack.com. You can follow me on Instagram. Um, my handle is at j.m.wallock. Um, and also you can follow me on both my business and my personal Facebook pages. I post a lot of public things on my face on my personal Facebook page. So you can always um just follow me.
0: Great. And we'll I'll make sure that there are links to each of those in any of the show notes wherever you're listening to this. So that's wonderful. And I'm, I look forward to then watching where this goes. And, and, and I am so grateful you got to share a little bit about maybe one of your dark nights of the soul, um, even in the past, you know, couple of years where you found yourself in a position of reevaluating. Um, and I think many of us can relate to that, you know, to having one of those moments. So thank you for sharing that with us and then allowing us to see what came out of that for you and and where that took you so and where it's taking you. So I've just really enjoyed having you here and, and having this conversation and sharing your gifts and wisdom and experiences with mindfulness and, and everything else. So thank you for being here and, and, and blessing us with your presence.
1: Well, oh, Thank you so much for having me and, and for inviting me on the show. Um, it was really so much fun and such an honor to be here.
0: And thank you all for listening. And if you haven't already, you can always subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play or Podbean, wherever you're finding it so that you're alerted to new episodes as they come out. And otherwise, until next time, peace and blessings.